Good morning. Hey, all right. It's good to see you guys here and awake. Excited to be here with you this morning. And as praise the Lord for the reading of his word, we are in Psalm 113 this morning. So before we go any further, let's just open up in a word of prayer and then we will dig right in. Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we just thank you for the beautiful time that we could gather and sing to you this morning because you are worthy of praise. You have accomplished so much and much more than we could ever imagine. And Lord, we are grateful for who you are. Thankful that you loved us enough to look down and care for our estate. And Lord, we, we praise you for that. And Lord, we just pray that this morning your word would go out powerfully and that you would use your word in, in our hearts to bring about change that we may be more like your son and that we may live lives that honor you. And so, Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yes, if you guys have not already, you can turn to Psalm 113. And that's where we're going to be this morning. And uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor Chad. I am the teaching pastor here. And uh, so we get the privilege this morning of going, continuing our sweet songs of summer and we are continuing with Psalm 113. Now, originally, on the schedule, this was supposed to be Psalm 119. And you guys know how sometimes I do with like one or two verses. You guys should all be praising the Lord right now that we chose not to do Psalm 119. Or I'd be in danger of not going on vacation with my family next week. All right? And if you don't know, that's the longest chapter in the Bible. And I, I, my mind would have just been blown like a week last week as I tried to condense that into one thing. So thankfully, we are in a much shorter, shorter psalm today, Psalm 113. And originally when, when Josh assigned, or said that this was a psalm that we were going to do, I read through it, and I was like, okay, it's, you know, it's, it's, if you guys, you guys listened to it, you saw it. The theme is very obvious. It's in there all the time. Praise the Lord. All right? It's continually saying, praise the Lord. And at first, I was like, well, what, what are we going to say about that? I mean, we could just come up here and I'll say, praise the Lord. And then everybody else can say, praise the Lord. And then we praise the Lord and then we can go. <laughs> All right. And everybody, yes, I know. That's the most excitement I've gotten in a long time. I should not have brought that up. <laughs> it wasn't a real viable option. We are going to go a little bit longer than that. But I appreciate the enthusiasm. So, but and it, it's because, you know, as we think about it, sometimes when we hear the phrase, praise the Lord, All right, like I said, I mean, we say it often enough that it has its own, like, acronym, just PTL, all right? And that's one of the very few text things that I know what it stands for. And I, for many reasons, I just try and stay vague on those anyways. And, uh, but it, it goes very quickly. We think, you know, praise the Lord, or we think of it as mainly maybe just singing, right? Praise the Lord. That's what it is. What does it mean to praise? And for me... I am not as much of a singer. I like to sing. I like to hear people sing. But, you know, it's kind of like a musical, and I'm the opposite of Pastor Josh in this way. I did not grow up loving musicals, all right? I was introduced to musicals because everybody's like, there's this awesome movie, we'll watch it. It's called Fiddler on the Roof. And I was like, okay. So we watched it, and I was like, why is everybody singing the same song? Like, how does everybody on the street just know the words to this, and why can they walk and, like, sing in unison while doing things? 
I also have no rhythm, so that kind of probably made me mad that I can't sing and do things at the same time. I can, they're just very disjointed and it's you know, distracting to people. But uh, I, I did not like musicals. It bothered me. I wanted something more realistic like Star Wars or Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, you know, real stuff, you know. No, that's, but as we think about this, praising the Lord, praising the Lord is much more than just singing. All right, it is involved. Singing is part of praising the Lord. And we should sing because we have much reason to sing. But it is also meditating on God's word. It is also just sharing testimony of what God has done in your life. It is reading God's word and meditating on it and thanking him for what he has done. It's prayer. It's living a life in accordance to God's word. In other words, praise God should encompass all of our life. Not just, it's not just, you know, sometimes we get compartmentalized, like it's praise and worship. We come, we praise God when we sing, and then everything else is like study or doing it. Everything is involved in praising the Lord. And so I'm excited to share what, what we can learn from this passage this morning, all right, as we look at what God has done and what he, what he does do and what, why we can praise him and lift him up. Okay, and so originally when I looked through this, I was like, man, I could, we could go with all three points just being praise the Lord. And then I, I ran that by my wife and she said, no, you should probably vary that up a little bit. So we will. I, I heeded her advice. All right, we, we are going to talk about praise the Lord. That is the theme. And that is what we will do. But we're going to see three reasons why we should praise the Lord. All right, and so the first reason is we praise the Lord because he is Yahweh. And throughout this psalm, you see the word LORD with all capital letters. And this is Yahweh. This name for God is used over 6,000 times in the Old Testament. And it is how God chose to reveal himself to Moses. All right, this is not just, sometimes we read it as LORD and we're like, yeah, that's just, just God's name. This carried significance and meaning to the people of Israel as they would read this. And these psalms were very important to them. This group of psalms, if you read through Psalm 113 through 118, you see praise the Lord throughout all of them. The end of 115 and the end of 116 and 117, they all end with praise the Lord. These psalms were used in the Passover. This is called the great Hallel, or we've talked about, I think last week, Josh was preaching, he talked about hallelujah, which is praise the Lord. And some of your versions might even say in verse one, hallelujah, as opposed to praise the Lord. But these, like, it's, it's very likely that Jesus and his disciples even sang these or quoted these before the Last Supper. And, you know, in Matthew 26, it says they sang a hymn and left. That was most likely Psalms 115 through 116, as they sang that after the message, or after the supper. And then 113 and 114 were often quoted before. But these are beautiful psalms of why we should praise the Lord. And so, what does the name Yahweh mean? It is the name when Moses was standing at the burning bush and he asked, who should I say is sending me? And, and God said, I am, that I am. And then he said, you should tell them that Yahweh or the Lord is sending you and saying, I am the father or I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says this in Exodus 3 verses 15 and 16. And this idea of Yahweh brings with it the picture of the fact that he is the covenant 
God. He chose to reveal himself to Abraham, to, a, to Isaac, to Jacob. He revealed himself and chose to work on their behalf. And that alone is reason to praise God because he revealed himself to us. He reached down. He did not wait for us to try and discover him. He chose to reveal himself and to love us. And so that is the first reason why we praise him. And even in, in Isaiah 40, as we think about who is Yahweh or who is the Lord, Isaiah 40 verse 28 says this. It says, have you not known and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. All of that is encompassed when he says, praise the Lord, praise Yahweh, hallelujah. This is what they would be thinking of. This is the special name that God gave Israel. And not only Israel, thankfully he gave it to all of us. Through Israel, right, through Abraham, all nations are blessed. And so when we bring this up, praise the Lord, that is what we are remembering. His covenant, his promise, who he is. And that is why we praise him. But the question comes in, like, why? Why do we have to have this, right? It's a command, is it not? If you read it, it's praise the Lord, exclamation point. We need to do it. it, it we are commanded to praise the Lord. And if you're, if you're an apparent here, right, you don't make rules or you don't make commands or you don't command your children to do something that they just naturally do, right? That would be redundant, right? I do not, and you can, my children are here this service, so you can verify with them, I don't think I've ever told them, you know what? You need to keep throwing your clothes on the floor. You need to keep all your junk on this table. Don't, don't clean it off, please. Leave it all there. I'm tired of it being clean. All right? Or I have never said, come on, why? How many times have I told you when you're sibling and noisy, punch them? All right? Hit them back. All right? And kids, I'm not saying to do this for real. All right? I'm, I wrote... I realize the risk as I look out this service and see so many kids. They're like, oh, pastor said to hit their siblings, hit their brother, hit their sister. No, I'm saying I don't have to say that because that is what they do. They punch each other, all right? And I never did stuff like this when I was a kid. Um, you know, I was perfect. No, right? We don't have to say to do those things because that is what we do. That's in our nature. We do it. If somebody makes us mad, we hit them. We do something. We do something back, even though we know we should not. We need to be told to praise the Lord because we don't do it as often as we should. And this is what convicted me the most as I started to study this passage. Because how often do I neglect to praise the Lord for who he is, for the fact that he is Yahweh, that he chose to reveal himself to us? How often do I take time to share with Natalie or with the kids, this is why I love God. This is what he has done. There are times we do that but it should be all the time, all right? It is constant because of what he does for us, but I don't, and why don't I? Because I forget, because I'm ungrateful, because I'm a sinner, and because I'm so selfish sometimes, and I'm so focused on me that I forget what God has done and who he is. And so we need psalms like this to remind us, don't look at yourself, stop thinking about you, praise the Lord. 
And you notice that he doesn't, he doesn't give a whole lot of contingencies like only in certain circumstances should you praise the Lord. It is just a given. You just, you praise the Lord all the time. That is what you should do. As a believer, as a child of God, we praise the Lord. And we praise him because of who he is. Praise the name of the Lord. It says that the name of the Lord or Lord, it says that five times in the first three verses. So it's an important thing. It's easy to pick out the theme in this psalm, that we are to praise the Lord. It says, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. For all time, all the time we should be praising the Lord for now and going forward. There isn't a time where it's like, just praise him for a little bit and then we're done. All the time we are supposed to be praising him. And then it says, from the rising of the sun to its setting. And, you know, as you first hear that, you think, oh, well, we just, all right, we, that's why we have church during the day. We praise him while it, the sun's up, and then when it sets, we don't have to praise him anymore. That's not what it's saying, all right? In case that's what you thought it meant. It's saying, right, the sun rises in the east, sets in the west. Just as he removed our sins as far as the east is from the west, we praise him in all places. The sun covers all places. It rises in the east, sets in the west, covers all of the earth. We are to praise the Lord all the time in all places. And that is what the psalmist is saying. There is no place or no time where we should not be able to praise God. And again, that doesn't mean that it's because everything's going perfectly. We have to praise the Lord no matter what is going on. And if you think through and if you want to later today, you can read Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. And even in those psalms, it says, why are you downcast within me, O my soul? You know, why are you cast down? I will yet again praise the Lord. We are going to go through hard times. There are going to be times where we do not feel like praising the Lord. But we are called to. And we find joy in doing it. Because to praise the Lord, we have to think about who he is and remember all that he has done. And that's the first call because he is Yahweh. Just Merely mentioning that name brings up so many reasons for us to praise God. He is the creator of all things. He is our creator, and we can praise him, and we need to praise him. All right, and again, you can, there's a, so many other things you can think through and study, but the challenge is, are you praising him? Or what are you praising? If you want to know where your heart is focused, what do you praise? What do you spend your time talking about, thinking about, and giving, um, ascribing greatness to? Is it the Lord or is it other people or other things? And so we need to think through those things. And we need to praise him rightly. And just in another thought, just even in Luke 19, when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, right, people were praising him. And it was an incredible moment of praise. All right, that people were laying down their coats as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And how did the Pharisees respond? They said, you guys, need, you need to stop people praising you like this. Nobody should be praised like this. Because they were, one, they were jealous of who he was and they refused to recognize that Jesus was the son of God. And Jesus said, if they stopped, even the rocks would cry out. God is worthy of praise and we must praise him at all times. And so we praise him because he is Yahweh and then the second thing you're going to see, we're going to see in verses four through six, we praise him because he is exalted. All right, and it just gives the picture of who God is in case we forget. 
It says, the Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated or who is enthroned on high? God is on high. He is enthroned over all things. It says he is above all nations, all people, all things. There is nothing above God, right? He is the pinnacle of everything. There is no nation, no God, no deity, no supernatural being, anything that is above him. He dwells in eternity. He has been in eternity past. He is in eternity future. He is the greatest being there is. There is no one like him. And if we need to be reminded that, you can read through Isaiah 40 as he talks about that. You can read through Job, right? If you remember the story of Job when after Job and his friends go back and forth and, and complain and dialogue and go back and forth, in the end, God shows up and he says, Job, dress yourself like a man and be prepared to answer. And then he goes on and on. And Job, who thought he had a case against God that he could complain against God, repents in sackcloth and ashes because he realizes how great God is. He is so far above what we can fully comprehend. He is enthroned on high and the very highest throne. All right, and we are always, right, we are always seeking greatness, seeking to, to be elevated, right? We, if you watch the Olympics, we see people constantly fighting for gold medals, all right? And it's fun to watch, and they're seeking to have that top spot, right, on the podium. And it's a great accomplishment to get silver or bronze, but they're seeking to get the gold medal, to be the best. And all these accomplishments in time fade and pass away. But God is above all. He is seated above all. He is so far above what we can fully understand or grasp. It says, Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen says, the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. Like, it's just, again, not to, to reiterate, but God is so far above anything we can imagine. All right, we did a theology class studying the person of God, and the more you study God, the more amazed you are. Yes, the higher he is, the bigger he is, the more you realize you do not understand. All right, apparently, I need this one again, is that what you're saying? Oh, man. All right, this happened in the first service. Apologize. Maybe it's crackling too much. So, all right. We'll see. Is this better? Okay. All right. I thought it was only a first service thing. We had people passing out, microphones giving out, but apparently it's carried over to the second service. So, hopefully it doesn't derail after this. We'll pray. No. Uh, but God is seated on high. So I don't know if the mic was broken or John just wanted me to move on to my next point um, and get out early. But I'll trust that he had my best interest in mind. So the fact is, the question at the beginning of that is, who is like the Lord our God? And the obvious answer is a rhetorical question, but the answer is no one, right? No one is like him. But the amazing thing about this, what sets God apart is not the fact that he is so incredibly high because he is above all that we can imagine. The next part of that verse is what sets him apart. And 
I got to turn back to here. But it's that he humbles himself to look down on us. Not, he is so far above us, enthroned, needing nothing from us. Yet because he loved us, he humbles himself to look down on this earth. And that sets God apart from any other ruler or deity or greatness. Is that being there, he didn't think it anything to stoop down and humble himself and look at us. And that right there should blow our minds. The fact that God from his throne is willing to look down on us. All right, and it, it, the picture is, some versions have it translate, that he humbled himself even to look down on this earth. And a, a very slight picture, kind of as you think about it, we have a newborn at our house, little Hadassah Joy, and so to talk to her, I don't expect her to get to my eye level, right? That would be hard. That would, that would be freaky if that happened somehow. All right, that would be scary. If I want to talk to Hadassah, or if any of my kids, who they all love to talk to her, we get down to her level, right? We, we crawl on the ground. We lay on the ground so that we can talk to her because she can't get up to us, all right? She's two months old. All she can do is still text people from my watch, all right? That is still happening. She went crazy at VBS and sent out a whole bunch of messages to my discipleship group. And because I'm not emotional enough, she sent out a crying emoji to my son, Ezra, all right? So he's also really emotional like I am. So she does her best to communicate with us. And, but to communicate with her, I, I get down. I stoop down. And it's a joy to do so because, man, when she smiles, it, you know, it lights up the room. It just brings joy to your heart. Now, the picture fails in this because there's an obvious reason why I go down to talk to Dasa because she's cute and, I'm, and I love her. We were not like cute little babies when God chose to look down on us. All right, Romans 5.8, he chose to die for us while we were yet sinners. He sent his son to die for us while we were enemies of him. We weren't some cute little infant that just was begging for attention that he chose to look down. He chose and humbled himself to look down on our estate. And the, the, as we think about that and as we meditate on that, it's clear picture in my mind to Philippians 2 where we see, and I had this marked out in the first service, but I think my bookmark fell out. Uh, but in Philippians 2, as I turn there, we see God's graciousness. We see this fact that God being most high humbles himself to look at us. We see that personified in the person of Jesus. We see that in Philippians 2.5, it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Jesus didn't stay in heaven. He willingly chose to come to this earth, born of a human woman, to go through infancy, to go through childhood for us. He chose not only to do that, he chose to humble himself, it says in verse 8, he says, being found in human form. 
He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of the death, even death on the cross. God did not need anything from us, yet he chose to send his son to this earth. Not only to come to this earth, but then to humble himself to take on a human body. And not only then to do that, but to suffer death on a cross. To be humbled and humiliated and crucified for my sin, for your sin. He did that for us. He did not stay indifferent in heaven, just looking down and not caring. He loved us enough to send his son to this earth. And this is why we praise him. Right, he did this out of his goodness and his glory. And we praise him for that. And, and this is why, even in Philippians 2, it talks about this very thing. So that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of the Father. Amen. He is a loving God. He came, and he, even though he is exalted, he humbled himself. And brought himself low. And this is, again, this is why God hates pride. Because what are we often trying to do? Foolishly, we are trying to exalt ourselves. And to make ourselves go up to God. Or to go up to a different level. This is why God hates pride. He hates when we do that. Because he exalts in lifting us up. And we see that in the last part of the psalm. You see verse uh, 7 through 9, that we praise him because he is compassionate. In verses 7 through 9, it says, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. Giving the picture that there are many people that are poor and needy. You read through, and then he says to me, He makes them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He's talking about people who are poor and needy, who cannot help themselves. The, the people that are hanging out by the ash heap, they are not hanging out by the garbage dump because that is a fun place to hang out. If you've been by a garbage dump or if you ever have to drive past the landfill, I can't remember what road that on. For sports, we've had to drive by that road. It reeks, right? It's horrible. It smells bad. The reason they were hanging out there is because they would burn the refuse and that was the place they could get warmth. That is what it means being poor and needy, hanging out at the ash these people that were poor and needy, God reached down, right? He, throughout God's word, we find him finding poor people, needy people, and lifting them up to great and glorious things, right? It says he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. And when people first read this, the Israelites first read this, right? What would their minds originally go to? It would go to Sarah, right? Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was barren. What did God do? He gave her a child, and through that came the nation of Israel. Through that came the Messiah. There are countless other people who he did. Uh, some, you know, Elizabeth he, in the New Testament, John the Baptist, the, the story of Hannah in the Old Testament, and others. He made women who were barren, who were destitute, who were poor. Right? When you, in that culture, when they didn't have a child, they were looked down upon. And he raised them up, and it says he made them the mother of children. And, and the error that we sometimes make is that we look at these verses and we're like, yeah, well, I would praise the Lord if I was poor and needy and all of a sudden he made me sit with princes and brought me up into royalty, right? 
we all love those kind of stories, right? And that's what a lot of the Disney stories are, people coming from nothing, and then all of a sudden they get, all right, the princess or prince or whatever, king. All right, they come from nothing to having everything. We don't love those stories when they're like, they're homeless, have nothing, and then they have a good day, and then they go right back to that, right? We like the stories where they become really powerful or where they get the kingdom or all these things. But we read this, and this verse doesn't say, praise the Lord if he makes you sit with princes. It doesn't say, praise the Lord if he gives you a child. What it's saying is this reveals God's character. God loves to help the helpless. He loves to help those without hope. He has helped you. If you know him as Savior, he has risen you from being just a mere human to being a child of God. You are now partaker of the precious promises. You are a partaker in the divine nature. He has given you more than you could ask for. Too often, if you're like me, your focus is on what you don't have. We are like Job's wife, or we are like Jonah. We see God do something amazing in somebody else's life, and instead of rejoicing with that person and saying, God, you are so great that you would do that. Too often, and I say this from my own heart, I look at that person and say, God, why didn't you do that for me? Don't you know I read my Bible every day? I know that they don't always read their Bible. Or I know that they don't do as much as I do. Why are they being blessed and not me? And we don't always verbalize it, but I know we think it. Because we are focused on what we don't. Somehow thinking that God is not good if he blesses someone else and not bless me the way I think I need to be blessed. And the challenge is we praise the Lord because he does this. Not because he did it exactly for me, but because he does this and this is part of his character. And he did this for all of us spiritually if we've accepted him, right? And we praise him for that. And there are other people he has blessed in great ways physically or with other gifts. And if he does, we praise him for that. All right, we don't sulk because it didn't happen to us or we didn't get what we wanted. We praise him because he does these things. And we know that it's his character and we know that all he does is for our good. That's why we praise him, because he is good. And when we don't praise him, when I don't praise him, It's because I lack faith. I don't trust that he is who he said he is. I think that he should have done something better. But as you look at this psalm, that's never even listed, right? All things that take place, our response is to praise the Lord. And at times that means we are going to have to fight to praise him. We will not feel like praising him. Not every day is a joyous, amazing day. There are some days, right, that you wake up and you're like, man, praise the Lord, this day is awesome. And there are other days you wake up and you're like, you feel like Jonah. If you read the story of Jonah when people of Nineveh didn't get destroyed like Jonah wanted them to, and then the plant that he was sitting under died, he's like, the fact that this plant died makes me so upset that I would like to die. All right, and that's, that's a pretty bad day. All right, I have never wished for death once our garden doesn't do well. All right? But Jonah was so depressed and he was so upset that God was merciful to people that didn't deserve his mercy. He was, he was ready to die. He was 
so focused incorrectly. And maybe you're not that extreme. Maybe you're not wishing to die or maybe. But if, we, if we're honest, we have had times like that. Where we are that upset that God didn't work the way we wanted him to, that we were like, well, I don't want to praise you anymore. I don't want to do this. Our command is to praise the Lord. So as we, as we close, um, if you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you have not, if, you're, if God is distant to you and you do not know him in a personal way, please come talk to one of the pastors. Come talk to Pastor Josh or to myself, Andy, John, any of the pastors or whoever, to, to know that you can know God personally. You can know Jesus Christ and you can have eternal life. You can have a reason to praise him every single day. If you already do know Jesus, then, then my question and challenge to you is who or what are you praising? Are you praising God? And if you are, then praise the Lord. Continue to do so. But if there are areas in your life where you are struggling to praise him, then seek help. Pray, repent, and seek to praise him at all times. Praise him for all things because he is worthy of our praise. All right, and, and if you need some stuff to do, read through Romans 5, 1 through 8. This is a beautiful picture of just how we apply this. We rejoice in our hope in Jesus Christ. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because he saved us and he poured out his love. He saved us while we were helpless. He has saved many of you, and if there is anyone that does not yet know Jesus as Savior, he is ready and willing to save you this morning. So let us praise him. I'll close the prayers before we sing our last song. Let's pray this morning. Father, we, Lord, we just come before you, humbled by the fact that you would care to notice us. Father, that you sent your son to die for us while we were still your enemies. Father, forgive us and forgive me for the lack of praise. Lord, you have done great things and continue to do great things. Lord, we love you and we praise you for your patience, your mercy, and your grace. And Lord, may we praise the glory of your name to any who will listen. Lord, may you make the glory of your name and the praise of your name spread, Lord, even from this church, Lord, to this neighborhood and the city. Lord, may we honor you through what you accomplish in our hearts. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.